1: What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast and CincyJungle.com. Excited for this episode. We've been excited for a while. We've got two very special guests and couldn't be more happy that they've carved out some time for us. John, happy Friday, bud. I'm going to allow you the honors of introducing our esteemed guests that are joining us today.
2: Oh, happy Friday. Happy Friday, John.
1: What are you talking about, disparage? I don't even know who you are. How can I (laughs) disparage
3: you? I'm just meeting you for the first time. But it has been a while since we talked to one of these guests, and it's actually been never since we talked to another. But they're two rising stars in the Cincinnati Bengals community. They have a little-known podcast known as the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. But introducing to the show, Jake Lisko and James Gruppin. How are you guys doing?
2: You know, from our humble beginnings, we're just happy to be here
4: yeah thanks for having us i'm a little nervous i don't know if i'm gonna be able to handle it but how you doing guys
2: there's a lot of pressure
1: yeah hey there's there's a lot of there's a lot of star stars on this show i guess huh but uh great to have you guys on the show it's uh, we've long enjoyed all of the stuff that you guys put out obviously and we've been looking forward to this when i told john before you guys got on i'm ready to take it easy and take a back seat and let the smart people talk today and that's what's going to happen i'm going to listen to you three primarily because you guys are the smart ones and I'm gonna sit back and just kind of relax because it's Friday afternoon finally where I am. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to it. If you we're gonna field some questions, we're gonna do our own little chatting as well. We're gonna field some of your questions as we usually do on listener questions live. You can get those to us in a number of ways the email the obinsider at gmail.com, call or text nine four nine five four two six uh gosh, what's the number? I already forget. Six two four one. Let's, let's find that out again. I already forgot the number. Good Lord. Uh, and you can tweet us, any of us. If you follow us on Twitter, you can tweet us and get those to us. And or there are a number of live chats going on, uh, whether it's on our YouTube channel, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. We got it going on. So I will start, gentlemen, if you don't mind, with a text that came through to us. Um, and I, how difficult do we want to... Do we want to start with? Do we want to start with a softball one? Do we want to start with a with a hard one? Is it, this know. philosophical or is this just like hit us with it, man? All hey. right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, from area code four four two. Hey guys, love the show. I'm wondering what it takes to make a culture shift within an organization. I've heard of the quote "burrow effect," and I wonder if one guy can be a catalyst for a culture shift. By culture shift, I mean getting players on board including guys in the organization or outside, which are free agents. I think an example is Brady pulling in people to Tampa Bay. Uh, let Jake, would you like to start off on potentially responding to that one? Uh, that's that's not an easy one, I don't think, but <laughs> a good one to start off with, I think.
2: Yeah, there's a lot there, right? Yeah. Uh, I think there's so much a player can do, and and there's – There's a lot that's on the organization as well. You you can go back to Marvin Lewis, right, in Cincinnati. Hiring Marvin Lewis, there was a a significant culture shift that happened. And at some point, that culture shift, uh, you know, became the norm. And, And then Zach Taylor comes, and I think all of that work that Marvin had done and the way that Marvin handled the team and the way that Marvin interacted with players kind of went away. And so there's, there's all these different layers of team culture that I think you have to think about. One of them is the people that are constant. So the ownership, front office in the Bengals case, not necessarily other organizations. Then there's the, the culture that your coach has established. That's going to be informed by that coach's personal experience and the organization's, you know, mission statement for lack of a better word, but you know, what's being perpetuated by the, the ownership group that continues to persist. And then there's whatever aspect the players add to it. So when you talk about what can Joe Burrow do, we, we think back to Joe Burrow's time at LSU, the stories we heard about him keeping guys accountable when they came late to practice and giving him shit for, or I guess that was back in the high school camp. You know, he, there was a guy that was late to a camp practice or something and Joe Burrow held him accountable for it. And it was caught on camera when he was, when he was very much a kid. And I think you see some of this now. You hear about it with specifically Jamar Chase. And you see the way that Burrow talks to Chase and and they communicate about this is the way you're going to run that route. And obviously, with a player like Chase, he's getting coached directly by Coach Walters. He's getting coached directly by Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan. And all these guys are having an impact on the way that players like Chase, new to the organization, not high on the totem pole yet, are existing and interpreting what it means to be a cincinnati bengal so really it's there's an impact from all of these levels and when people criticize the bengals it's generally a criticism that starts at the top right it starts at mike brown and what he perpetuates by being the owner of the bengals and the disaster that his ownership period has frankly been since he took over right and and Mm -hmm. the the lost decade and the failure to win a playoff game and the failure to extend some key players. And that's the criticism, right? To be really negative about it. Marvin, of course, praised for what he did in getting the team to actually be a professional organization, the changes that he made, you know, you hear Willie Anderson talk about the, the socks and the, you know, you got to buy your own Gatorade and all this stuff. And that starts to change with Marvin. And and then now they've modernized the organization in that sense. There's still a lot, I think, that the ownership group needs to do, right? And there's only so much that a player like Joe Burrow can do. Because you think about Carson Palmer. Palmer wanted to come in. He had that same mentality, I think, that Joe Burrow does right now when he got to Cincinnati. He was like, I can come in, and I can fix this thing. And he was ready to do that. He was eager to do that. He was excited to do that. We know that was a story where his agents His prospective agents had plans for him. This is how we're going to get you out of Cincinnati. The agent that Carson eventually hires is the one that listens to him when he says, no, I want to fix it. I want to go to Cincinnati. I'm sure Joe Burrow had the same thing. I'm sure Joe Burrow has the same ideas in a lot of of ways. But he can only do so much, right? Like he can hold players accountable. But, you know, how much is ownership listening to him? That's a question. How much is Elizabeth Blackburn coming in there and changing the way they interact with their star players? I don't know. How much is the modernization of the nfl and players seizing more power impacting the way the bengals do business i don't know those are the questions that i still have that come to mind for me when you ask this question about how much can a guy like joe burrow change the culture in cincinnati
1: james i'd love to hear from you on this too and i got a question that kind of based on what jake was saying there that uh, i'd like to ask all of you once you guys give your thoughts on on this because i thought that was Really well said by Jake there. But, James, you've been covering this team for a number of years. You've, you've seen a lot of the the things with Marvin and now Zach and, and all of that. Uh, I mean, your thoughts on culture changes and maybe the question I kind of have, just to kind of piggyback a little bit on what Jake was saying is, do, I mean, are you – that that's a message that Zach Taylor's been preaching. You know this culture shift, and we're going to do things this way. Maybe modernize some more things on top of what Marvin did. I mean, are you buying into now that we're in year three, that critical year for head coaches, this young head coach and and somewhat inexperienced staff when they when they all took over a couple of years ago? I mean, are you kind of buying that this this continued shift is taking place?
4: It certainly is. I buy that now, whether or not the shift is going to be successful as far as Zach Taylor's culture, we'll see this season. You know, I'm certainly not sold on that. I don't even know if I would buy Zach Taylor's stock right now, but I buy that this is his team that at some point over the past three years, and maybe it was when Zach was interviewing or when he first got hired, he said, all right, Mr. Brown, I can't work with these guys. We're going to have to slowly bring in my guys and, You've seen that, right? Carlos Dunlap, the Geno Atkins, the A.J. Green, and they tried it with A.J. Green. Clearly it didn't work. And so, yeah, Zach's got his guys now. And, and John and I were at the the Mock Turtle Soup luncheon, and Mike's like, yeah, it, it's Zach's team. And and so when he says that, it's like, okay, pressure's on. And and so that's the part of it. His ownership feels like today they've given Zach what he needs to win. And you could make an argument – for, uh, uh, you know, both ways, really, right? You could say new quarterback, new receivers, um, completely revamped defense with a bunch of money spent on that side of the ball. And, And so, yeah, Zach, go win. On the other side, you could say, well, why didn't you invest more in the offensive line? So we could go back and forth on that, but yeah, I think culture wise and going back to the first question, only a few guys ever player wise could completely transform a culture. Tom Brady didn't even do that. Initially, it was Belichick's culture and Brady was just kind of the, the straw that stirred the drink and kept everything upright. Peyton Manning did it in Indianapolis and it was his team. And I think that that's sort of what the Bengals are hoping to do with Burrow, which is a, a lot to ask for. Right. That's a very high mm-hmm. bar to get to. So it can be done with a player. It's just extremely rare. And even some of the greats like Tom Brady, you're, you're right. He did it in Tampa Bay. he he didn't set that culture in new england initially when they started winning super bowls
2: well i don't even know if he did it in tampa right because bruce it's not like bruce arians is like some fresh off the Uh, i don't know fresh off the coaching block kind of guy like he certainly helped i I definitely think he deserves credit for what happened in tampa and like some of the players who wanted to go there that's that's like nba stuff right that's ring chasing like brady can get me a ring bruce arians is a competent mm -hmm. enough coach and that marriage between arians and brady was also important so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it just, it just highlights, I think, how hard it is for an individual player, even if they are as accomplished and big as Brady, to, to make those changes.
1: John, Joe, your thoughts Joe on Burrow, culture,
3: Yeah, Joe Burrow couldn't change the culture of the Dallas Cowboys. That culture is defined by Jerry Jones and whatnot. He can change the culture of the Cincinnati Bengals because there's a difference, stark contrast in the Bengals franchise compared to other high-powered franchises, other successful franchises, not calling the Cowboys successful in any way, shape, or form the last 25 years. But I think there's a difference in the image and the perception of certain franchises. They're going to be paying Joe Burrow a lot of money in a handful of years, and they aren't really going to have a choice but to listen to his input. As with any of the 32 franchises, they are forced to basically call in their quarterback, ask them what they want to do, have them – give them a primary seat at the table for most of these organizational decisions – And I think like James was alluding to, this is going to be a big year to determine is the shift in potential success mainly attributed to Burrow or is it just Zach Taylor's whole scheme coming together in his, his third year of his coaching staff. Is that the primary reason why this is now going in the right direction? I think we're going to learn a lot about that this year. I think we're going to find out the answer to this pretty damn soon.
1: I, I I'm my thoughts on this, I guess would be kind of echoing a lot of what you said, but Joe, Joe Burrow, is kind of part of the process i mean he's he's a piece of that puzzle to change the culture mm-hmm. i i heard that uh jeff hobson was on i think it was bengal jim's podcast earlier this week and hobson said something to the effect of burrow kind of has that boomer assise and grab everybody by the haunches type of leadership style and he hasn't seen that really from from a quarterback at least hobson said since boomer was here with with the team but i think that's part of it and that team in 88 had a Sam Weish, a guy that was also a rah rah guy, but also had a great offensive mind. They had the pieces up front and the offensive line, and they were building the team the way it should have been built to, for for success. Um, and, and I think, like like what Jake brought up earlier about Elizabeth Blackburn, I think that's a key going forward in terms of how this team is going to to operate and and how things end up changing in terms of a culture shift we've seen some things this year whether if you want to point to something maybe as small as the uniform changes but obviously the ring of honor that was kind of a kind of a big step forward um you know all of that stuff is kind of part of the process as is Joe Burrow he's a big part of it but i think there's there's still Everybody's got to believe in the coach and the direction of where where things are going. The quarterback, obviously, leader on the field, and then of course people got to believe that ownership is putting them in position to be able to win championships. If they're and not just say that they are doing that. So um, I, I think a lot of things like what you guys said. A lot of things remain to be seen. There are some good things that are being put in place as of as of this year, but um we'll, we'll see exactly. I think this year is a big big barometer as to whether the Zach Taylor culture shift is is moving in the right direction. I don't know, Jake and James, if you are able to see the live comments on the, at least in the, the YouTube and Facebook, if there's anything that strikes you there, feel free to to shout one of those out. I'm going to toss it to John. John, do you see one that you want to get to next year?
3: I just want to ask uh, both James and Jake, um, just a question about the last month or so. You guys have been obviously doing daily shows, the podcast. James has been down on the field uh for every practice i think except i I guess was today the last practice that you guys could go out there what do they basically shut you guys down today
4: yeah today was the first half hour session so yesterday was the final like practice where we could video and stuff like that
3: so this is the first training camp um post i guess last year with covid and everything no one had access to anything i guess in your your guys's coverage of training camp what has been um what has been something that has annoyed you, I guess, with what's been coming out of camp that you've had, that you've unfortunately had to talk about? It's like your is your thoughts and your perception of how training camp discourse has become now. Is that like changed with with things kind of going back to this? Is there something that kind of stand out to you that you wish you didn't have to talk about, but you unfortunately had to do because it was topical?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's the it's the fact that we're you almost have to dissect everything and then everyone's going to have a reaction. OK, so uh, and I, hell, I've talked with Paul Daner Jr. about this at The Athletic. He writes about how, yeah, Jamar isn't separating that much against Chidobe Awuzie. Right. And it's like blows up because the fantasy heads get it. And I love fantasy football. I'm on a bunch of leagues, so I'm not knocking that. But all of a sudden it's an issue now. Jamar isn't getting separation or Burrow looked weird in the pocket. And now it just blows up. And two days later, he's fine after he answers questions about it. And we've seen him grow right? And so that, I think that's part of it is like, there's so many eyeballs on, you know, every little nugget that comes out. So like the Jamar thing in Washington, like he had three drops and all these people were reacting to it. Well, he's had drop issues. It wasn't a shock really, right? It was something that we had talked about since OTAs and rookie minicamp on Locked On Bengals, And, uh, you know, hopefully he's ironed it out because he's looked a lot better the past three days. But I think that's it. The minutia of oh my God, this happened today. I can't believe it. Right. Trey Waynes gets injured, the the hamstring. Everyone just loses their minds. Oh my God. I can't believe like, look, it was a bad contract, but he's been pretty good in camp pre the other day when he hurt his hamstring. So just little things like that are are kind of annoying. It comes with the job, by the way, I'm not complaining, but that uh, that stands out as you pose that question.
2: There's been a real change in the way people, I think, react to NFL news and, I feel like it's worse this year than it ever has been, or maybe I'm just now noticing it for the first time, but it's not like this is the first time that I've done daily shows about Bengals camp. This is the third year we've done it. I think, I think I did. Yeah. Last year, James, you and I did it right. And Mm -hmm. and that was in the COVID year. It was weird. The year before that, Joe and I did it and, I mean, when when Joe and I did it, I guess, you know, we we didn't have somebody there every day. So we're reacting to like, you know, your videos that you're posting on Twitter, John, because you were there a lot and you were, you know, that's what I miss, by the way, is is all the fan videos that we used to get. And now with it only being media and I'm really restricting video makes it a lot harder because, you know, for me, I can only go on what, you know, James and Paul and all these guys tell us. And I, I have more access than many do because. I can, you know, text James. And be like, "Hey, look at this thing," and then he can he can tell me what he sees. But um, I do think that these little little moments are getting magnified more than they ever have, and there's more of a microscope than I ever recall there being, and the reactions to these little moments. An interception in camp. Think about, like, Tua, even. Like, you think about not a Bengals guy. Tua throws, like, five picks. And they're, like, they're, they're people taking victory laps. Like, oh, yeah, Tua, he's not it. He threw five picks in a – go back to Patrick Mahomes' rookie year. He threw five picks in a practice. How did he turn out? I'm not saying Tua is going to be Mahomes. I'm not saying Burrow's going to be Mahomes. I'm not saying any of these things. It's just the, – the point is people are overreacting like crazy to, like, an incident in practice and yeah, there have been specific things like we've talked about Jamar chase and focused on Jamar chase every day this week for at least probably five minutes. Right. And, in in one of our shows, it was like the last thing we talked about in a, in a, in a, in our practice recap segment. And I was like, man, James, I'm so happy. We're, we're getting to Jamar last and this isn't the headline. So we, we, you know, this is like, we have four days of solid practices. Maybe we don't need to talk about this anymore. And you know, with drops specifically, it's bothered me, and I've made this point the last two days on our podcast, and I've said, look, like receivers drop passes. Every single receiver in the NFL, 99.9% of receivers in the NFL drop a pass in a season, especially the guys that are high volume. You don't really care, or, or maybe it bothers you for a little bit if Jamar Chase drops a pass, but then if he goes and catches five more for 100 yards and a touchdown, which he did on well, Thursday, yesterday, right? Yep. Then you don't care. And, and so I think that, you know, there's all this hyper reaction and, and hyper scrutinization of things. And it's just like this has probably been going on in camps for forever. Right. And we were talking about Jerry Rice. Remember, James, yesterday we talked about the Jerry Rice story that uh, apparently um, Frank Pollock sent to Brian Callahan and Callahan and and. and you know that's his own story but what that made me think about is like in the 80s when jerry rice was a rookie you know the the fan of the 49ers who no longer lives in san francisco probably isn't as aware of that until a few weeks later and by the time they become aware of that because of reading it in the newspaper because usa today picks it up like 10 weeks later or something oh jerry rice the rookie he's having drop issues huh well then at that point maybe it's a real issue And so we're not looking at a training camp report and be like, oh, everything's on fire. Trey, Trey Waynes is made of glass because he got injured again. He missed four games in his time with the Vikings. And and now he's made of glass because he had a pec injury and he's had some hamstring injuries. Come on, guys.
3: But we don't care about practice at all. We don't care about practice during the season at all. It's only for this month because it's the only thing that's happening. Mm -hmm.
4: And, and And it's when... They're the rawest, right? They're still learning the system. Things are being installed, especially Jamar, right? And it's – look, is it worth pointing out? Of course. If he has four drops in practice, we should mention it. But it doesn't mean everything needs to be taken to this extreme And, and everything's going there one way or the other because everyone has a voice, and like Jake said, it's magnified
2: and and like you said like when paul writes about a thing he reports there's a rep where joe burrow doesn't step into a throw or he lifts his left leg i think is what paul said he l- looked uncomfortable like what's paul is paul supposed to just not write that no like you write about it and then I, I don't know what we do right as people who are covering this at this point to talk about these things that have happened and try to and we try on on locked on anyway to say yeah he dropped these passes don't worry about it guys but but like we don't have control over that right
1: we don't and twitter unfortunately it's a it's a double-edged sword right guys i'm sure you guys know you know you you report something or you have an opinion on something and then of course the knee-jerk reactionary stuff comes out um i've been guilty of it you know you hear some bad news about the Bengals, and you're, oh boy here i mean we've watched Think the, about the, jerseys. Yeah. the jerseys the jerseys
2: <laughs> on the hanger i mean that's <laughs> yeah. a great example oh, yeah. of it yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDST. Uh,
1: So we got a text from 905 Area Code. Hey, Anthony, John, this is Clark from Toronto. Uh, hey, sorta, Canada, what's sorta, up? Yeah, sort of by Jake there. Been a big fan of the podcast for a few years now. I was wondering, who do you think has the edge for backup corner position between Eli Apple, Phillips, or maybe a surprise in Jalen Davis? Jalen Davis had the uh, the couple of tackles for loss in the last, the last game against Washington, one of which might be the starter week one with the Wayne's injury. We were just talking about Trey Wayne's a little bit, so I thought this was uh, appropriate to bring up. I haven't heard much talk about Eli Apple, and I know Phillips is poised for a major special teams role. Thanks, Houday. James, you want to you wanna bat lead off on this one for us?
4: For sure, yeah. It's Eli Apple. He's, he's the clear-cut guy who will replace Wayne's mm. in the starting lineup. I think he's their fourth corner, so to speak. Darius Phillips is five, and if he needs to play outside, he will. But he's Mike Hilton's backup, and both are going to make the team. And then as for Jalen Davis, I think he's got a good shot at that sixth cornerback spot, and we'll see if he can build off of what he's done throughout training camp and through two preseason games on Sunday. But uh, as of now, I have him on my 53. I think he's played great. I think he's earned a spot, and and we'll see. it. But especially if Waynes is dinged up, or or maybe it's a serious – you know, injury where he's going to be out and miss a little bit of time. Hopefully not. But if that's the case, then I certainly see a path where Davis is on this team week one.
1: Personally speaking, I hope Wayne's is healthy for week one because I I will be there, but uh, just for, (laughs) for, for him uh, going up against his former team, I just hope he goes out, plays well, and just shuts all of us up to talk about, you know, uh, the contract and his injuries and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if John, do you have any thoughts on the, the question here from from Clark in Toronto about the defensive back situation. Yeah, we talked about uh, the potential impact
3: of a Wayne's injury because we don't know the severity of the he's being uh, listed as day to day. So who knows how long that actually is. Um, but potentially one of Winston Rose or Tony Brown could potentially make week one, depending on how bad Wayne's injury actually is. And they would just need six cornerbacks for that. But James, like like Jalen Davis, has mainly been in the slot during preseason. Do you think that Darius Phillips would come off the bench if Mike Hilton gets hurt, or that would go now to Davis because of how impressive he's been?
4: Yeah, it's that part is interesting. I would say as of now, it's still probably Phillips, uh, but maybe because it's it's weird. Because if you ask like Jake, he's going to say, "Yeah, Phillips seems like." he should be outside more and with his ball skills and stuff, you'd put him outside. But it seems like the coaching staff likes him as the nickel, but if you have another capable nickel behind Mike Hilton, then maybe you switch it up a little bit. So, and it's not just Jake saying that I just used you as an example. Jake, well, that's but,
2: exactly what I would say though. You're right. Yeah, like, I, I would so, <laughs> say, I would say Phillips should probably be outside. Cause when he's been in the slot, he hasn't been very good and he's up and down, certainly outside, but mm-hmm. anyway, continue James.
4: But yeah, his ball skills on the outside, it makes sense. Right. And that's the thing. Now, is there a potential scenario where Davis jumps Phillips in the cornerback room? If he's more consistent, I think so. I think going into camp, I would have said that that this coaching staff, just in general, I wouldn't have said it about Davis, but I would have said it about Phillips. They need to see consistency from him. And if they don't, then, you know, it it can be in jeopardy. And overall, I think he's been pretty good in camp. He's gotten beat a couple of times, got beat against Washington, uh, with Jake's guy, Diami Brown, but, uh, no, we'll see but i i would be i would still be surprised if davis leapfrogs phillips at this stage
2: i agree but i do think that if eli apple gets hurt again and he's been battling injuries in training camp mm-hmm. then it's Phillip, phillips will go out of the slot he'll go outside and jalen davis will go to the slot they're not going to put J- jalen davis is like strictly a slot corner i think because of his size he's what like five eight or maybe he's five ten i don't remember but he's he's like if they have to put Jalen Davis outside, it might be rough. So to John's point, I hadn't really considered that, the possibility of Tony Brown or Winston, uh, Winston Rose actually making the team. I don't think they make the 53. I think they would be like practice squad call-ups in that mm-hmm. first week if they need it because I don't think they can spare a 53-man roster spot for a seventh corner. And that's even if they put Joseph Osai on the IR before cut down, which I think they might have to unless unless they get like a very positive you know one week because they have some time so like they'll probably do like an mri maybe a week after the surgery and see how things are going because sometimes with these surgeries they don't like the repair doesn't take and they end up having to cut it out because whatever they try to do in the repair doesn't work some basketball player i think that happened to can't remember but um i you know I, i just can't see them carrying seven corners i mean with with having to carry energy onto the 53, which seems like that's going to be a thing because he tore his pec early. Maybe he can get back. I, I don't know. I don't know if they can make that work.
1: I'm kind of with you. It sounds like a little bit on Darius Phillips, Jake. Uh, the guy just has the athleticism and everything, but he just, his feast or famine play just drives me nuts sometimes, particularly on the outside. You go back to that second Cleveland game last year where he had the interception early in the game, mm-hmm. and then he let up just big reception after big reception on on the outside, and it's just and it's the same exact game <laughs> maybe two quarters later, right? It's just like oh my gosh, what and that's that's unfortunately kind of been the story with him you know he's got the athleticism he's got that big playability but as as you said uh james he's kind of fifth on the on the pecking order now because he's just not dependable on a snap to snap basis um on the outside and so that's just one of the guys i i I love the upside i love the fact that he can change the trajectory of a game with a with a pick six or a big interception but he also can change it the other way with uh, allowing some some big catches. So um, yeah, uh, interesting to see how that's going to shake out. A, a deep group, and I know uh, Jake and James. It sounds like uh, Owosier has been one of the best players at camp so far this year, uh, and that's he's been a pretty good pickup for that group. I know we're talking more back end with the question we received, but I've I've liked what I've been hearing and, and seeing to a limited degree of Owosier. Of
4: For sure. I extremely impressive, Uh, maybe the most impressive defensive player in camp and has made Jamar uh, Chase's life. Hell has made it really tough (laughs) on him, which is, which is good. I, you know, you want it to be tough on him early on. And again, so that's part of it is you have this hungry veteran cornerback who's angry that he was injured last year and anxious to prove himself after signing this deal. And this fifth pick is the guy he's seen across from him. He's going to try to eat that dude alive And you know, it's not like Chase hasn't beat him, and he he has, especially this week, I think, really hit his stride when it comes to, you know, winning matchups against these cornerbacks. But Ahuzie has been extremely impressive, and it's not just against Chase. He's done it against Higgins and, uh, you know, some of the these backups, you know, Odd Tate and guys like that, and he's just a, a quality player, and you saw it. The thing is, with this defense in general, it was kind of cool seeing them beat up on the Bengals' offense early in camp, but you're like, is it going to translate? Well, so far through two preseason games, it has translated. And I know Awuzie didn't get that interception, but he made a, a nice play and stuck right with Terry McLaurin last week. So I think that that is a, a very promising sign. So, yeah, I'm encouraged and would not be shocked at all, even if Waynes is 100% healthy, if we're talking about Awuzie being cornerback one, if we have to you know, give one, two, or one and one A, I think Awuzie uh, might be the best corner on the team.
3: It does seem like ridiculous how – much improved Wozier and Jalen Davis, for that matter, have looked compared to what we saw them last year, like the jump that Davis has taken when he was thrown out there last, last year to now is, is very noticeable. I wanted to get to this question from Stuart Monty in the YouTube chat and just going to throw it out to you, to you through the first one who answers gets the answer. Is there a part of the team that is terribly bad to you? I don't see it.
1: Who wants to take that one first?
4: <laughs> I mean, I will. Jake, are you, you good? You want me to go? Yeah, go. I'll see if okay. I agree with you. Terribly bad. I mean, I'm going to do it. I mean, the, the interior of their offensive line right now mm. is, is probably the biggest concern, right? I, I, the, the other thing would be, I guess, the, the edge position. Those two things. Do they have an elite pass rusher? No. Maybe it's Hendrickson, but I don't think so. So that's a concern. But still, like, Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo are decent, and I'm okay with one of them starting. You have both of them starting. You have Trey Hopkins coming back from a, a torn ACL. The, the interior of that line is, a, is still a big question mark. I think they bring some stability, but I, I have plenty of questions about it. So that would be my biggest concern going into week one, at least as of right now before that final preseason game.
2: Yeah, I um, I, I don't have a like, – there is a, a high end outcome for the offensive guards. That is fine. Sure. So that's, that's the high mm-hmm. end, right? And and I'm talking about the guys projected to currently start week one. I think Deontay Smith has a very bright future. I'm very encouraged for Deontay Smith, but not in week one. I mean, we, we haven't seen enough. I don't think. And so Xavier, Sophie, and Quentin Spain are some guys that Quentin Spain has obviously played some great football in his career. It's been a few years and Fans really like what he did last year. He stepped in. He played a bunch of positions, including left tackle for some reason. And the, I mean, Jim Turner loved to play career guards at left tackle. John Jerry, Quentin Spain. I um, I don't know why he liked doing that, but we don't have to see that anymore, hopefully. Uh, but there's a world where these guys are the, the career, you know, Quentin Spain's career continues to be what it is, where his best years are behind him. That that could be a thing could be a thing where Xavier Smithfield continues to look like the guy that was a backup for the Cowboy or for the, yeah, for the Cowboys and was okay. And, you know, was a fine backup who now you're starting and, you know, that's really what Bobby Hart was for, for a long time in Cincinnati. Bobby Hart was a fine backup who was starting and would just get absolutely exposed at times. And that could be the case with these guards. and And I also don't think we know, what we're getting with with uh, Trey Hopkins, pretty confident, relatively confident in Trey Hopkins. But even so, like you're talking about an average of best center. Like we really like Trey Hopkins. He's a very smart player. He's got a great personality. He's a good person to have in the locker room. But in terms of his like ability at center, I wouldn't be mad if they found a better center. Like when when uh, Corey Lindsley was available, that's the guy James and I talked about. I I would have preferred they gone they gone after a guard, but. If they're going to improve the offensive line, you go get a center, you're you're making your offensive line better. So I think there are some questions along the interior offensive line. I don't know if you're calling them terrible, um, but, I mean, NFL teams should not have a terrible position group. If you have a terrible position group, you're in a bad place. And that's unfortunately where the Bengals have been, so maybe not having one is an improvement right now.
3: Well, I think it goes beyond to just. than just position groups, it could just be like an aspect of the team. Like for me, it's not necessarily just the offensive line. Just I think right now it's the run blocking port part po, portion of the offensive line. I think right now yeah. the five that they have mm-hmm. are considerably better at pass protection than necessarily run blocking. We haven't really seen that from high high volume or a high sample size in the preseason so far. And honestly, the, the sample size has been low for pass blocking. But right now it looks like the strength of the unit, which I guess you would take compared to the the inverse if they could not pass block. That would just be absolutely awful. But Anthony, what do you, what do you think? Uh,
1: It's hard to disagree with you guys about the interior of the offensive line. The only other position group, just to kind of pivot a little bit of, of a talking point here, I wouldn't even call it bad. I wouldn't call it terrible. I wouldn't, I I would just say it's a little bit of an unknown as linebacker. Um, You know, I I like some things we've seen from, from Logan Wilson Uh, in his second year, there's been some ups and downs with Jermaine Pratt I think there's a lot of upside to Akeem Davis, Gaither, but there's just how much growth are some of these young guys going to show? What's going on with Jordan Evan? You know, there, there's just some questions there. I wouldn't lump it in the same category as necessarily as the interior offensive line, but uh, linebacker is one that you know we're talking about the secondary and, and a lot of the depth there. The Bengals did a good job over the past couple of years to shore up there, especially this year, shore up their defensive line because they got absolutely eaten alive by injury up front there last year. So. Um, I think there's a little less concern for me there. Obviously, interior of the offensive line tops the list for, for this question. I guess I would say just to have a little bit of a different talking point, linebackers, a little bit in that conversation for me. But I, I've told John when we've previewed that position group, I actually, because there's not really super high expectations for that group, I'm kind of quietly excited a little bit to see what some of those young guys in that group can do. But there's still, just for me, there's there's some unknowns there. I don't know if you guys... Uh, feel the same way. I, I do want to ask, though, about you guys quickly before we talk about Symbol and then spend a few more minutes before we get on out of here. Um, Michael Jordan, uh, he's showing quite a bit this this preseason, some really high uh, mid-80s PFF pass blocking grades, granted limited snaps, but in two games he looks like a different player. John and I talked about it on, on one of our shows recently. I would love to hear from you guys, Jake and James, about your thoughts on the progress there? Are you buying into it as a little bit of a fool fool's gold at this point in time, or are the, is this recommitment to the offseason workout working with Willie Anderson this offseason? Do you think that's actually showing, and he's in that pivotal year three in terms of development as an NFL player?
2: Yeah. You some, I, uh, I, go ahead, James.
4: <laughs> you gotta I do first
2: one of us you want to talk.
4: I do think uh, <laughs> I'll be quick. I do think he's improved. I do. You know, he's not the same player. That he was last November, last December. That being said, he's still the reason he's not starting is consistency. And there are going to be times when he still he does the wrong thing or misses a block. You're right; like the PFF scores are good, but clearly the Bengals coaching staff they gave him every opportunity to win a job early in camp. I mean, it was crazy. It was remember the first depth chart, Michael Jordan's out there, and you know he's getting reps with the ones, and it was was one of those camp reactions, right? That was one, another one that I had forgot about. And, you know, we talked about the optics of it and everything like that, but I do think he is better. And Frank Pollock was like, man, this kid could be really good. And I think Pollock probably still thinks that, but there's clearly a lack of consistency because otherwise why wouldn't he play? Why wouldn't he be the starter? And I guess he could still go out there against Miami and win the job. I just don't see that happening. I don't think that's realistic. I think it's Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain, But, yeah, I think Jordan's better, and that's the benefit is now if one of these guys goes down, well, Jordan comes in, maybe there's not a huge drop-off, and, you know, he could still be a uh, a competent pass blocker and at least decent most of the time in the run game, Um, you know, versus past years where it was, you know, especially last year. Xavier Suofilo goes down, and it's Billy Price, I think, in the the second half of that Chargers game, and then the next week, and then it just, you know, it snowballed really quickly in the trenches. So I think they're – A little deeper and part of that is because jordan's better
2: yeah i think that it's probably fair to say he's better he's always been a pretty good athlete he's always had pretty good size he just came into the league young and raw and Mm -hmm. if you were to ask coaches they probably tell you he needs to trust his technique more he needs to be more consistent like you said james because the the issue with jordan has often been throughout his career that he'll be fine for stretches Mm -hmm. and then he'll you know get trucked and and or or whiff or whatever (laughs) it is and that happens to most offensive linemen but for whatever reason and and you guys probably know ryan royal red legs i don't know what his twitter handle is now he got banned but uh he he um he he draws a comparison between mike jordan and russell bodine or Bodine, whatever his name was and the idea was you know he'll be fine for stretches and then he'll have a mistake and it'll be catastrophic and it'll it'll kill a drive It'll be a bad hold at a bad time. It'll be a, you know, a, a, a getting beat inside, not handling a stunt handoff, whatever it is. And he was playing beside the Bengals' better tackle last year, for the most part, uh, when Jonah Williams was playing. So there, there could be some improvement, but it might take more for for coaches to trust him, and and certainly for fans to trust him because just of of what his track record is and and that makes it hard for him maybe that's not fair to him but you got two guys who are newer don't have that baggage and deontay smith and jackson carmen who are very similar in a lot of ways where they're pretty good athletes and you know in carmen's case in particular he's flashed and and has to also work on his consistency in deontay smith's case we haven't seen enough yet so um I am rooting for Mike Jordan. I've said this a few times. If he can turn it around, that would be great. This is another guy that grew up a Bengals fan, right? And he comes and plays for plays for his childhood favorite team and then gets a, you know, he, he took it personally. He said it. Mm-hmm. I took it personally. He feels like he got his quarterback hurt. And I, I feel bad for him in the human aspect of that. And so if he has rededicated himself and can get more consistent and play better, I think we would all love to see it.
3: There's nothing more dangerous than a Michael Jordan taking
1: something personal. So That's right. <laughs> very true. We're going to be here for a couple more minutes. We have an insane amount of live listeners, of course, because we have two very, very special guests, Jake Lisgow and James Rapine from the Locked on Bengals podcast and Sports Illustrated All Bengals. Their coverage is second to none in covering the Cincinnati Bengals. John, before we answer a couple more questions and bounce on out of here, we have to tell the folks about Symbol. It is the stock market for sports. I don't know James and Jake if you've heard of Symbol or not, but it's a pretty cool pretty cool thing. We've partnered with them, and uh, it's a stock market for sports. So if you play fantasy football, if you play survival football, if you even play the stock market, this has got to be something that you got to look into. And our podcast, if you use the promo code OBI, you get a uh, a little a little bit of a kickback from Symbol for uh, signing up and using our promo code, but uh, it, is, it is the stock market for sports where you can invest in teams, whether it's the Bengals, another NFL team, college football, baseball, whatever the case may be, and you are able to make some money, potentially, if you are savvy enough, on teams that you are passionate about and or teams that you feel have the potential to uh, make you some money. Tell us a little bit more about it, John. Yeah, so
3: let me just toss it to James. James, who do you think is going to win the NFC West this year?
4: It'd help if I wasn't muted. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams.
3: Okay, so if James is interested in investing in the Los Angeles Rams (laughs) on Symbol, he can go to symbol.app backslash OBI, get his free week of Symbol gold, and then invest in the Sim Rams at whatever price that is right now. The prices are based off of basically how many people are buying or selling the Rams right now, and if Jake – or, excuse me james invests in the sim rams on august 27th and they win the nfc west and then they win the super bowl presumably that value is going to go up and he can sell the sim rams or he can keep that investment for the long term that is essentially how symbol works it is a lot of fun it is something that is not really else out there on the sports market right now but it is the stock market combined with the nfl the mlb and the nba in this starting this year college football so invest in symbol go to symbol.app backslash OBI to get your free week of symbol gold and Have some fun guys.
1: It's a great product. We're happy to be partnering with them for the remainder of the regular season there. So good stuff from symbol. Thanks, John guys. I've got maybe just a couple more questions. I know you've got uh, just a couple minutes and we're running, running up against it, but this has been lightning, awesome round. lightning yeah, round. Yeah. A lightning around, lightning around. Um, one of which was from our, our good buddy, the, the orange arrow. Um, Hey, He said, hey, it's Orange Arrow. I have a fun game for y'all. I want y'all to uh, – and I, I sound probably weird saying y'all because I, I don't use that. But uh, name the first three plays of the game for Burrow and see who gets the closest to being right. Obviously, the news coming out that <laughs> Burrow will be playing this week, uh, getting his first snaps of uh, in a game for 2021 this week against Miami. John, why don't you go first this time? Name the first three plays, and then I guess we'll have to go back Watch the tape and see who's who's most correct on this. Uh, I don't know if you want to go specific plays or uh, you know uh, if you just want to say run screen whatever. I don't know. But tell uh, me what all if,
4: eleven guys are doing on all three plays.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, dude. We're going right into we're going right into the
3: playbook here. Brian Brian Callahan gonna be really mad that I stole these from him, but we're gonna go first and ten at the twenty seven. Brandon Wilson's gonna get a little too energetic out of the end zone. He gets two extra yards instead of kneeling. We're gonna go a toss to the right. We're gonna run behind uh, both. Xavier Swiffel and Riley Reef to Joe Mixon. Burrow gets out of the way. He gets maybe two yards because those plays are really hit or miss for the Bengals. Second and eight, we're going to go quick slant to Jamar Chase. He gets his catch down the left side. Maybe about a six-yard game. We got a third and two. and We're going to go dive right up the middle to Joe Mixon. Gets a first down. After that, who knows? Who knows if Burrow just walks off after that? But I think he will get a first down in the first three plays. Throws one pass, maybe air yards, about five yards.
2: Jake, what do you think? Five yards. I, I talked to James about this. We, had, when we first learned that Burrow was going to play this week, I was like, you know what, a good over, good over under would be, is depth of target for Joe Burrow's highest <laughs> depth of target in this game. What, what's that going to be? That's what I want an odds maker to set for us. But, um, I, I like the crack toss idea there, John. That's something that they're really emphasizing, in this uh, in this preseason, and it hasn't gone well. It hasn't no. gone well. They're they're not getting they're not getting what they want from the wide receivers on those plays. I don't think they're getting the pulls that they want on those plays from the guards. So I do like that idea, but I think we'll see, um, I think we'll see a wide zone to start. I'm not going to go crack toss to start. I think we'll see wide zone. I think we'll see smoke a quick, a quick, uh, you know, they're going to look for off coverage and try to get it out to one of these receivers and, and try to get some yards after catch and then I, I i think uh no matter the result i don't think they're going to try to get a first down if it's like third and 15 they're just going to run the ball again and maybe maybe we do um you know a counter play or or uh, inside zone or something like that but i don't even know honestly if they're going to ask joe burrow to throw the ball i think they will but i mean what's funny to me is when they asked burrow in the post The post-practice, you know, they got him after practice. Joe's like, yeah, I'd like to get hit. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see if I can make it happen. And when you hear Joe Burrow say, like, I want to get hit, but I don't think it's even possible on the plays that we have planned, what are those plays that he's so sure he's not going to get hit on, you know, if if he's passing the ball? So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Quick throws.
4: That's it. Quick throws. That's what's going to happen. I think he's going to throw. You said once or – I think it's more than once. So I'll take the over – on one and a half, if that's if that's where it's set at, uh, I'll take I, and it'll be quick stuff, like you said, a quick screen to chase, maybe a slant to Boyd. I, I can't imagine them not going to Boyd at some point. He's the most reliable receiver on the team. He's got the best relationship with Burrow, the best rapport on field, and so I think it's going to be Chase and it's going to be Boyd or Boyd and Chase at some point, point. and uh, there'll be a handoff in there too. But I, I don't buy that they're going to run it three times and throw it once, even though that's kind of the, you know, or, or to run it twice and throw it once. Bengals want to throw it. And I, I think, uh, I think Burrow's going to want to throw it too. Otherwise, if he's just handing it off, what's the point of playing it? Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think it's going to be safe throws, but they are going to be throws.
1: I don't know how hot take I want to get on this thing, so I, I probably won't go crazy crazy with it. Say. Say yeah, I, I kinda something's telling me like maybe they'll they'll take a shot down there just to, to see uh to air something out. I don't <laughs> there, I don't there think there is so, though. such a
2: thing as a relatively safe vertical shot. If you just throw it blindly, Draw, you, you yeah. hit the back step it's a two on step like a five you know, yeah, timing. Like just, a, a shotgun three step drop, and you just put it high and deep down the sideline, throw a quick fade. They could do that if they wanted to.
1: That's that that would be the only scenario where it's just if like you said, Jake, if there is, you know, a specific drawn up play on a deep ball where you can get it out at least somewhat quickly, that would be something I could see. But I, I, I kind of agree with James a little bit. I think that there may be a wide receiver screen play to, to chase, maybe get both of those guys kind of involved, maybe a run play to the left by Joe Mixon. And then I see They've been trying this this Joe Mixon uh, screen pass. They, unfortunately, I think it was Spain that was called on a, on a hold when they tried that last week, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So they may they may try something like that and call that a pass. Uh, but we'll we'll see. That's that's kind of my my call there. I, I know we're coming up on ta- on uh, a little bit of time for you guys. Um, we've tried to get to as many questions as possible in different different avenues. I did see one in one of our live chats. Unfortunately, we've had. Fortunately and unfortunately, we've had so many comments and so much engagement that I can't seem to scroll up and find it. But I I think now I've asked John this question probably ad nauseum, but I I would love to hear it from you guys. And I know some people love answering this question. Some people hate it. But it was essentially where are we at now in terms of predicting wins and losses for this team 2021 um, with, with the Bengals Osai being out now for for presumably the year? That's kind of a big blow. We don't know what's going on with Waynes for the foreseeable future, but knock on wood, the rest of the team seems to be in relatively good health. Uh, John, since we've talked about it before, I'll (laughs) let you go first to see if you've changed your mind at all on this one.
3: I'm just going to quickly say eight and nine get out of the way, but before you guys answer, uh, think about it, because this is potentially going to be an article on on Cincy Jungle, so your name might be on the the headlines here. Oh, boy. Uh, I guess I'll go.
4: 15-2. Uh, and two. <laughs> Okay, really? Hey, if we're, if we're making headlines, let's just be optimistic, it, right? It's the end of August. What the hell? If you're going to quote me, I might a Bengals reporter goes wild. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> you know, let's go viral a little bit. 15 Talk about two. knee-jerk reactions. On Joe Burrow is the first player ever, and I actually haven't done the research. Maybe there's been someone else that wins Mo- most valuable player and comeback player of the year in the same season. And Jamar Chase wins offensive rookie of the year. Uh, anything else? Oh no! Oh, and then after Joe that. wins the award, he hands the comeback player of the year award to Joe Mixon, who had ran for fifteen hundred yards, but Burrow just overshadowed him. How about that? Fifteen I, I, and two.
1: I, I don't know how we top that one. That's just next level. Uh, Good luck, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for us, Jake?
2: People people are going to get mad at me or something. I mean, that's, I guess, the relationship that James and I have. Uh, The Bengals last year, based on all their one-score games and and the point differential, should have probably won, I would say, six games. I would say their expected win-loss last year, probably about six games. And to me, this is a slightly better team, I think than last year i think i think having a second competent tackle actually matters a ton so as long as riley reef and jonah williams are healthy I, i think that makes a huge difference i think uh the defense just being guys that are bought in and and aren't just like trying to buy their time until they get out of here uh i think that helps so there's a world where they're not actually better than they were last year and they they win like six games again and i think they could get up to like 11. i think there's a big range like 6 to 11 is where i'm at 6 to 11 wins and there's just so many variables and anybody that listens to me knows that i don't do predictions and i talk about you know this is this is a high end this is a low end i'd say the median is probably somewhere around 500 obviously they can't go 500 anymore but i think i'm pretty close to john there is like that's the most likely outcome and
4: real quick i think to be serious i think because we talked about Zach Taylor and his future and all that stuff. Seven is the minimum for me, uh, for him. Right. To me, there is a win number. You know, Regardless, at some point, you need to see it. Double your win total plus one. If you go seven and ten, it feels like they're going in the right direction. And I think Jake's right. Like To me, if I had to predict today, probably seven wins. O- only aggregate the 15 and two part. But if I had to predict today, probably seven and ten. And uh, you know, if Burrow and Chase really hit the ground running, maybe eight and nine, something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I had nine and eight. I'm kind of with with Jake a little bit in terms of, uh, I'm not a huge fan of predicting, 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 but on Cincy Jungle, we we get asked to, to write these posts. And uh, obviously a lot of fans ask us about what we think in terms of how the schedule plays out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I do think we'll see some marked improvement it's just a matter of, you know, like like what James said, is is seven wins enough to keep Zach Taylor around? Is that going to be inspiring enough? Who knows? Uh, you guys see anything else you want to get to before we bounce on out of here? We've gone a couple minutes long, and I want to respect your guys' time. But uh, if there's anything else you want to address before we b- hop out of here, I'd love to, love to hear it.
2: There's something James hmm. said I wanted to react to, but I can't remember what it was, so I'm going to let it go.
4: <laughs> you think Zach needs to win 10 games to stick around. Go ahead and say it, Jake. Drop that take
2: no I don't remember anymore I knew that wasn't it (laughs) I I don't know like the things that are percolating in my head is like Zach Taylor's loyalty to coaches I think could be a problem long term for him and that was going back to the very first question we talked about with the culture and like Mm -hmm. yeah but I don't I can't make it relate so I'm just gonna stop talking I have one quick question before we go John are you on the same drink the whole time
3: you know, I was trying to pace myself. I have a date in a, co- in a couple hours, so I didn't want to get uh, too white girl wasted I mean, here. I finished this
4: whole dang thing quick. I mean, there's still a little ice in it, but it's just water, ladies and gentlemen. But Oh, yeah, it's, it's you, just you, water? You're, you're What are you doing? You sipping that thing?
1: Dude, it, yeah, it's, it's done. Man. You needed right. a straw. You needed a straw with it, you know? <laughs>
4: I was thinking like maybe he's got like a six pack right here and he's just <laughs> going one after the other. I was like, man, look at John.
1: <laughs> now, now we're matching it with my water, you know. <laughs> we were we were joking before the before we took the air with Jake about uh, some of his some of his class, past clients. I guess their power hours at lunch. So uh, John's doing his own version of a happy hour power hour here. Um, but hey, guys, I know uh, you guys just launched a YouTube channel. I, I for those who are living in a bomb shelter for the past four years. Uh, how, how can people find your show, your, your YouTube channel that you guys launched? And I know, James, you do uh, a little bit with Cincinnati Bengals talk as well and another channel and whatnot. So um, I guess I'll let you talk about all Bengals and your YouTube channel, James. And then, Jake, if you want to tell us about the Locked On podcast as well and where people can get them in case, like I said, they've been living under a rock for five years or whatever, uh, tell us about it.
4: Yeah, you should subscribe to both of them. Um, I, yeah, we, we jumped into the, the YouTube game about a month ago and been really pleased and excited, locked on Bengals-wise, which I'll let Jake talk more about. But yeah, I've been doing Cincinnati Bengals Talk for, I don't know, six months, seven months. And, and it's been fun to do the video stuff that you guys have been doing, right? It's uh, it's fun to do the interact with fans this way. And it's just uh, another element to it. Uh, you'll see those videos on YouTube. You just search Cincinnati Bengals Talk and then all Bengals, it's look, it's in the name, right? Anything that I think a Bengals fan is going to be interested in, even remotely. I try to to write about it so it's all in one spot for people. So those that uh, tries to, uh, I don't know knock out two birds with one stone with that when it comes to league news along with uh, the latest on the team.
2: Especially Tom Brady News, right? If you need Tom Brady News, James Rapine is your guy, follow him everywhere. You, you said he didn't 30. even change the the
4: culture in Tampa. No, Bay, I didn't which is say insane. that.
2: I did oh. not say that. But it's okay. <laughs> I this is what so this is why you got in arguments with those dudes on the AFC North show we did because you you hear things that aren't what people say. Although that is what they said. I did not say Tom. They Brady They said didn't Juju
4: Smith-Schuster was better than
2: Tyler Boyd. That's yeah, insane. but I did not say it's Tom ridiculous. Brady didn't change the culture in Tampa. He might not have. It's I said that he was, was the only tape. part we'll of. Watch, it. watch the tape. I said he yeah. was only part of it and if i didn't that's what i meant to say anyway you can follow locked on bengals everywhere at locked on bengals locked on bengals on youtube locked on bengals on all the podcast places that's that's literally our our only name anywhere so if you search for locked on bengals you will find locked on bengals uh you can follow james on twitter at james rapine i don't know if you said that james you can follow me on twitter at jake lisko and um it's oh. the only daily Bengals podcast, so if you like the Bengals, subscribe to it. That's what I was about to say. Also, I was about to say, uh, somebody in the chat talked about Phil Sims. You guys watch that video on Pro Football Talk? The twenty minutes of Phil. You're talking Sims about Chris and, Sims. Yeah, was, whatever. It's well, it's I can't believe you even mentioned talk. it. It was a joke. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> I deleted these tweets, but uh, Florio and and Sims just are absolutely unhinged, like losing their mind, frothing at the mouth over. Like Joe Burrow wanting to get out of Cincinnati, having second thoughts, and the Bengals rushing him back and all this shit. Like, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Somebody, somebody on our YouTube channel asked us to, to weigh in on it, and so I watched it last night, and I, I tweeted some rants, and then I deleted them because I didn't want to get a pissing match with Florio. But it was brutal. Like, uh. do not go to profootballtalk.com if you're, if you're watching this at any point in time because <laughs> you don't want to get your Bengals news from them. It's awful. Well,
3: now I'm interested because I've never heard of this website, so I might just check it out just ah, to see what shit. it's about. But I did the
2: th- I did the thing, the 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 Streisand thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: You you said don't look at this thing. Don't look at it now. Everybody morbid <laughs> curiosity. Now you are like gonna look me at it watch the video. Did You say it was <laughs> Phil or Chris Sims?
2: No, Chris Sims. I think it was. NBC. It was a young Sims. Yeah, it was, I got yeah, it was Chris. Yeah, it was
4: Chris. Um, yeah. Imagine thinking that the Bengals could tell Joe Burrow to do something he didn't want to do. Come on, that's the <laughs> dumbest. That alone, like, get out of here. So. i'll leave it at that i didn't even write about that that was the one thing i didn't cover at all bangles because i didn't think it was worth covering he has
3: standards i only
2: brought it up because somebody said it in the chat and and that's what i forgot that i was gonna mention it was awful and don't don't do it
1: well uh i i I, i've heard about it i didn't see it now i'm i I don't know how i feel about watching it now so i'm kind of i'm kind of tempted but i don't think i'm gonna now i'll try and take your advice there jake guys thanks for thanks for making time for us you guys kill it with your coverage and uh, we'd love to have you guys back on. I'm going to try and come out to hopefully a couple games in Cincinnati, hopefully coincide with you guys out there. I know John and I have been talking about potentially meeting up. So when I'm out there, hopefully I can uh, say what's up to you guys. We can hang out for a little bit. I'd love to love for to sure. chat it up with you. Um, hey, this John has been a lot of beers. What's that? So,
4: John's got the tap. We'll, we'll go out for beers. Well, yeah, yeah I definitely
3: make you. the most money out of these four, for sure. <laughs> for sure.
4: No <laughs> doubt. <laughs>
1: Thanks a bunch for for uh, coming on our show, guys. And thanks a bunch for your great coverage that you, that you provide all Bengals fans. Um, you can find our show, whether it's Orange and Black Insider, uh, Orange is the New Black by Ace and Zim, or Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk, also on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Every major audio streamer, go download it there and or click the little icon. This time it's by James, I think, on our YouTube channel. Go click that bad boy and subscribe to it hit the bell, get notified when we, yeah, somewhere down there, Jake's pointing to it uh, and, and click the bell. So you get notified when we go live, when we have new material. And of course, when we have cool crossovers like this for John, James, Jake, thanks everybody. Take it easy. And we will talk to you soon. Enjoy your weekend.